It is Friday, August 30th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York, and this is an emergency podcast, Jared. If you have a draft this weekend, then you're probably trying to figure out what to do with the Cowboys and Chargers backfields, just like we all have been for a while now. The latest quasi-update on the Dallas situation is that Jerry Jones says his team is preparing to be without Ezekiel Elliott for some regular season games. That may mean something. It may not mean something. Because as we speak, we're nine days away from Dallas opening its season against the Giants. Zeke Elliott has yet to report to the team. So the Cowboys obviously have to be planning at the moment as though they won't have this player who has yet to join the team for that first game that's about a week away. So, Jared, the question we all need to answer is, how do you treat that in a fantasy football draft? Do Jerry Jones's words uh, from last night change anything for you? Jerry Jones's words don't really change anything. I mean, you could easily view it as a negotiation tactic, you know, trying to gain some more leverage, putting some pressure on Zeke Elliott. But my thing is, like you said, I mean, we're, we're now nine days away from the opener. I, I think we talked about on a podcast last week that, like, if Zeke wasn't still signed by around this time, it was going to be time to start reevaluating him and maybe planning for him to miss some games. So we did this morning take two full games away from Ezekiel Elliott's projections, but he's still. He stayed fourth among running backs in our PPR rankings. He did move down from second to fourth in our non-PPR rankings, but I think that sort of gives you an idea of just you know how highly we had him projected in the first place and how valuable he's still going to be. You know, even if we get 14 games out of him, I, I, I still think you know he he belongs in the top four. Yeah, and the important thing to remember here and that we do factor into our rankings is that you're not getting zeros when Ezekiel Elliott is not playing unless you've done a really crappy job drafting. What you're getting is your next best player in that role, and it's really not that hard to ensure against those those missed games for Zeke, uh, even if he does miss games at this point. I'm less worried with Elliott about him missing a bunch of games than I am with Melvin Gordon for a couple of reasons. One, he's got two years left on his contract, including this year. Uh, Melvin Gordon's in the final year of his contract. And the talk from the Cowboys in this has always seemed to tend toward positive. You know, it's like, I think we'll get a deal done. Uh, They were working toward a solution. It's never been Jerry Jones saying, well, he's under contract. He's got to show up or we're just going to go into the season with the rest of this team. It seems like something where they want to keep this relationship going. So for that reason, I'm still taking Ezekiel Elliott in round one. And in non-PPR, I think that I might still have to take Ezekiel Elliott at that fourth spot overall. I'm still taking Zeke at four, regardless of format. The the difference for me now versus a week ago, and even dating further back, I'm going to prioritize Tony Pollard. And I think the spot where I'd be targeting him is in the seventh round at this point. Um, I think I think you're pretty safe in getting him there. If you want to be super, super safe, I think sixth round. But there's still some some running backs and some wide receivers I like in the sixth round that I might want to snag and then take Pollard in the seventh. I just feel like if I get Zeke and Pollard, I'm going to get top four running back production over the course of the season. And to me, that that's worth you know, the, the cost of a first plus a seventh round pick. Yeah, and I, I I say non-PPR because I want to even more so make sure that I get 
a top-level running back there. And I think they're going to leave the board quicker in non-PPR than they are in PPR formats. I agree that I would look for I would start looking at Tony Pollard in that range as well. I don't think he's a requirement though because I believe that I can uh, get I think I can take Zeke in round one. I could take a wide out in round two and then I can look at running backs in rounds three, four and five get at least two guys that I like in that range, maybe even three. and you know depending on how round two goes, it might be flipping where I get a running back in round two wide receiver in round three. But I think that there are enough guys in those rounds that I will be okay if I miss the first few games with Ezekiel yeah. Elliott and I'm, I'm starting like Devontae Freeman or I've got Sony Michelle in round four. If I enter the season with Zeke on my bench and Sony Michelle and Devontae Freeman as my top two running backs, I'm still feeling all right. Sure. Yeah. I, I think what you want to avoid is taking Zeke in the first and then feeling like you need to reach for running backs in the next, you know, two and three rounds and taking guys you wouldn't normally take. I think for me, you can take Zeke in the first draft as you normally would. And then, and then just, you know, take Tony Pollard, assuming you don't have, you know, maybe you ended up getting, you know, uh, carry on Johnson, in the third Chris Carson in the fourth, and then you feel okay about your running backs. And maybe you don't need to take Tony Pollard, but for me, he's just sort of the fallback plan. And again, I feel, I feel fine spending that seventh round pick on Tony Pollard. Yeah, and I'm okay with looking at him in the sixth. Like you said, though, it's going to depend on what's there. I was looking at the rankings, and I feel like Philip Lindsay, who was uh, right around running back 25 in non-PPR, is really the first guy that I would be fine taking Pollard over if I already have Zeke on my roster. I'm just I'm not going to enter that range feeling like I have to get Tony Pollard and losing out on something that I really want um, by forcing him into my team. So if Zeke's not your number four in PPR drafts, who is? I mean, this is something that I never really know the full answer to until I'm sitting there making the decision, but I think I would have to go Julio Jones at four in a PPR draft. The only real question for me on Julio is the foot, and Dan Quinn says he's going to be a full go for week one. So I have to assume right now that yeah. Julio Jones's foot is fine, and I, I, to me that leaves no more risk with him than with really anyone else I'm considering in that range. And I think that I can come back and get a running back at 209. And even if I don't have anybody that I like there, Mm -hmm. I know that I'll be able to find two to three of those guys rounds three through five. You know, the guys we mentioned before, Devontae Freeman, Kerryon Johnson, Aaron Jones in the third. The fourth has Sony Michelle. It might still have Chris Carson. The fifth's got Duke Johnson. So I feel pretty good about the running back. I can get there and I get the top shelf talent in Julio at a different position that I'm passing on in Zeke. Yeah, for me, it comes down to Julio Jones versus James Conner. Um, you know, I, I, I've really gotten more confident in Conner over the last few weeks or just seeing how good he's looked in preseason, how he's been used in preseason. So um, you know, I, it, it'd be between those two for me. I'd probably even lean Conner, honestly, just because that, that late second round seems to be sort of a, a dead zone for running back. So I've been taking you know someone like Mike Evans there more often and then coming back with like a Devontae Freeman in the third round. Yeah. And Mike Evans is a good one where if I don't get a running back, I like it at two Oh nine and I start with Julio, I can take Mike Evans there and then I can just trust pretty well that over the next four rounds, I'll be able to find at least two guys and probably three running backs to fortify there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can comfortably get any of those guys that we've been talking about in the third round. And then I think Duke Johnson's pretty safe in the fourth and I'm fine spending a a fourth round pick on Duke. Yeah, and I agree with you on James Conner as the next running back. It had been Joe Mixon for me early on, but I feel better about the Pittsburgh offense than I do the Cincinnati offense. I still like Joe Mixon, but that early in the round, I I would lean Conner as well. 
And I mean, I've seen Mixon get into that, you know, mid to late second round. He's been dropping an ADP. So I think, you know, in a best case scenario, you could even come back after Julio Jones or James Conner and get Joe Mixon in the second. Yes, he's been a key second round target for me and I will continue taking him there. So Melvin Gordon's situation is up next. And as I alluded to, I'm more worried about Melvin Gordon missing a lot of time because we haven't heard the positive words from the franchise about getting something done on the contract front. And with just one year left on his contract, there's no relationship that they need to conserve here. I could see Melvin Gordon just playing out what he has to in 2019 and then moving on. So I am having a lot more trouble taking Melvin Gordon. I, I even when I see him in round five, it's a little shaky and it depends on who's still there. If Duke Johnson or Sony Michelle is still on the board, I don't think I can take Melvin Gordon this weekend. Yeah, it's been very quiet on the Melvin Gordon front. I'm not sure what to make of that. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. We we did get that note from ESPN's Eric Williams that that he he wrote in an article he expects Gordon to end his holdout before week one. That that sort of read as more of an opinion than a report, though. So I'm not putting a ton of stock in that. Um, I, I expect Gordon to miss multiple games. And I think it's possible he you know misses the first half of the season. For me, Gordon is now like a sixth rounder, um, definitely behind Mark Ingram, Sonny Michelle, and those guys are basically fourth rounders at this point. But Melvin Ingram's behind Duke Johnson for me now too. And again, we can usually get Duke Johnson in the fifth round. So you know, if if I get to that point, Duke's gone and it's in the sixth round, I'll consider Melvin Gordon. The, the issue with Gordon is. Austin Eckler's ADP is now up into the sixth round too. So, you know, if, even if you wanted to, you know, handcuff Eckler to Melvin Gordon, um, you know, you know, again, both those guys might be going in the, the sixth or you might need to spend a sixth and a seventh rounder to land both of them. Yeah. And I think that it, it's gotten to the point where you can't really handcuff them unless you're starting, you know, the first four rounds with no more than one running back and you're taking, you're doubling up on them in rounds five and six. Uh, Austin Eckler also in in play for me in round six. I like him much better than Tony Pollard because I don't think he'll be worthless when Melvin Gordon returns. I do, on the other hand, think Tony Pollard will be basically worthless in fantasy once Ezekiel Elliott's back. And I mean, people are saying, well, Tony Pollard's been awesome and they're talking about him having a role, but Zeke Elliott is the horsiest of horses in the NFL right now when he's on the field. He finished last season with 29 more total touches than Saquon Barkley. 55 more total touches than number three on that list, Christian McCaffrey. And Zeke missed one game. He sat out the final game. So we're talking about four-plus touches per game over even the next most horse-like running backs. So there's not going to be a whole lot of work left for Tony Pollard. I think Zeke will get right back to that when he returns to the field. Melvin Gordon, on the other hand, was sharing some with Austin Eckler during the season last year. They showed that there's room for both of them to score. And Melvin Gordon's got a history of uh, lower body issues that has cost him games in most of his seasons. Yep, that's all fair. I agree with, with all of that. And again, that's why I will still take Zeke at four because I do think he's going to return and be an elite running back one. And I don't think Pollard is going to be a standalone fantasy option when Zeke's back. The edge that Pollard has over Eckler is that for as long as Zeke's out, it looks like Pollard is going to be something close to a three down back. Like assuming Zeke's not there week one, I think Tony Pollard is going to be a top 15 running back in our rankings. Whereas Austin Eckler, you know, I don't know, it's going to be a 70 30 split between him and Justin Jackson, maybe 65 35, something like that. So I, I do think Pollard is going to have more value than Eckler when the respective starters are, are, are still holding up. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Justin Jackson, meanwhile, still sitting with at around 11 ADP according to the numbers that we get on DraftSharks.com. 
that's that's right about where I would give him a look. I I don't have a strong opinion on Justin Jackson either way. There mm-hmm. are some who like to point out his fantasy numbers that he put up when Melvin Gordon was out last year, but he had one game of more than eight carries all last season. He had two games of more than two targets, just one game with more than four targets. So Justin Jackson scored touchdowns in two of the four games that, that get pointed out. He caught seven passes in another one. Those were what were, was driving his uh, fantasy stat line. It's not like he worked as a feature back, even when both guys were injured. Yeah, I, I'd expect something like 8 to 12 touches for Justin Jackson behind Austin Eckler for as long as Gordon's out. And, you know, what, what's 8 to 12 touches worth? You know, maybe once bye weeks start to hit, Justin Jackson becomes a fantasy option. But until then, I, I think he's just more of a bench stash. So 11th round, a bit early for me. You know, maybe, maybe if he gets into the 13th, 14th at that point, you know, there's not much else at running back I'd rather take than him. So maybe then he becomes an option. Yeah, hasn't been a target for me, but I'm okay with Justin Jackson in that range. Um, the other thing that we want to get to today that I want to get to, I kind of dragged Jared along is the <laughs> Patriots receivers, because we just finished week four of the preseason. Pretty much every team was sit, was uh, sitting all at starters and playing only backups fighting for roster spots. But the Patriots started Julian Edelman. They started Josh Gordon and they started Demarius Thomas along with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. So all of these guys got limited work because of injury, suspension, whatever, through the preseason, but they were all on the field together. And I think it's interesting and it's at least worth addressing. Edelman, we know is the number one receiver for new England. He got out there because he hasn't had any action otherwise. And they probably wanted to get him on the field a little bit, had a little scare where he left the game shaking his hand, but reports since have said there's no uh, further issue. There's no concern about the hand. He should be good to go. Josh Gordon got back on the field for the first time since December. I don't, he didn't do anything outlandish. He looked fine. I think the story is that he's ready to play and he's eligible to play. Demarius Thomas, I think, is the one that that takes a little bit of analysis, though. He had the big numbers, seven catches, 87 yards, two touchdowns. I don't want to overrate those. They also tried to give him an end around that fell to the ground for a turnover. Um, they were trying, you know, they were trying to get him the ball. I don't know whether it was to try him out to see what he has left before they have to make roster decisions, or if that's their top three at receiver heading into the season, and they wanted to get those guys on the field together. What I think, though, is that if they keep Demarius Thomas through the cut down to 53 this weekend, that tells me that they want Demarius Thomas to be their number three receiver. Because otherwise, I don't see the point in paying him. They either give him a guaranteed $150,000 and send him on his way, or they pay him, I think, $2.9 is the contract if he makes the regular season roster. I think it's worth remembering, too, that Josh McDaniels was the Denver coach when the Broncos drafted Demarius Thomas. Yeah, man, uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders making these, you know, late season Achilles tears look like absolutely nothing. I was, I was surprised. I was surprised when Demarius Thomas returned to practice last week. I thought he was going to open the season on the pup list. Surprised to see him playing last night. And like you said, produce now, you know, he produced against guys who probably aren't even going to be making the final roster. Um, so that needs to be put into perspective. But again, just the fact that he's out there, he does have that experience. I agree. I think if he makes the roster, it's going to be between Demarius Thomas and Philip Dorsett for that third role. And it's also possible Josh Gordon's on some type of snap count. So maybe, you know, Thomas and Dorsett, you know, sort of step into some of the snaps Gordon will eventually be playing. So worth monitoring, um, you know, Nikhil Harry, he had sort of a rough August, um, has the has a couple injuries he's dealing with now. So I don't think he's going to be an early season factor. 
Um, Tom, Thomas for me, is someone I'm going to monitor, probably not spending a draft pick on him unless my draft goes like 20 plus rounds deep, but definitely interesting. I mean, the guy's produced, he's in the Patriots offense. If he has some gas left in the tank, it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that he's a fantasy factor at some point this season. Yeah. I mean, just to put in a little context, I mean, from last year's top four targets for the, the Patriots, we had Edelman, we had James White, we had Josh Gordon. And then of course, Rob Gronkowski is the, the slot that's open for somebody in 2017, it was Brandon Cooks, it was Gronk, it was James White, and it was Danny Amendola. Now, if we're assuming that the three of the top four spots are Edelman, James White, and Josh Gordon this year, I mean, that fourth one could be Demarius Thomas. I, I think that yeah. he's I think he's worth a look in that late range of the draft, like round 15 on, you know, depending on, on how large your league is, where you stash him, and if he's not doing anything by – if he barely plays in week one, you could consider him a, a drop in that first waiver run, if there's somebody you want to chase. And certainly if he's not doing anything by week two, right. then maybe you look for a replacement. But I, I would like to leave my draft with some Patriot because there are enough options on that offense. Yeah. I mean, let's remember too, though, that this has been a run heavy offense and I think it's going to continue to be a run heavy offense this season. So I'm not sure that fourth option is going to be a fantasy factor. Now, Josh Gordon, obviously, you know, how long can he, stay clean, stay on the field. Julian Edelman's had his injury issue. So you know, if one of those guys is missing, then Thomas or Dorsett or Harry becomes interesting. But um, if Edelman, Gordon, and White are on the field, I, I don't, I'm not sure any other piece of this Pat, Patriots passing game is going to be a factor. Yeah, I, I certainly don't expect a consistent fantasy presence from their fourth guy. But there, there will be pop-up games, I think, for somebody who takes that role. That's going to do it for this pop-up edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see where all these guys fit into our rankings and come up on your MVP board. Run through some practices in the Mock Draft Trainer. Make sure that you are prepared for the real thing. If you're a DS Insider, you can also hit us with any last-minute questions, and we'll be there to help you throughout the regular season right there, of course. And you can find us on Twitter, at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShopDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 